Hello and a very warm welcome to 20 Minutes With, a podcast brought to you by Proximo, a leading source of news and data for the global project finance, energy and infrastructure market. My name is Thomas Hopkins and I am Deputy Editor of Proximo. I am delighted to be joined today by Mark Henderson, Chief Investment Officer at GridServe. Mark is going to be discussing some of the work that GridServe has done in the EV charging sector as well as EV charging development more broadly. Mark, it's brilliant to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much indeed, Thomas. Delighted to be here. Yes, well, we're delighted to have you here, and I'm sure it'll be a very interesting discussion. Uh, before we get cracking with some thoughts and questions about the EV charging sector, perhaps you could just tell me a little bit about your professional background and your role at GridServe. Sure. Um, I have been an infrastructure uh, financier for pretty much all of my career, which is uh, going into about the fourth decade. So uh, it's showing my age a little bit there. Um, but I particularly focused on uh, the power and then from about the year 2000 onwards, uh, renewable energy. Um, and during that time, I've, I've been fortunate enough to finance about eight gigawatts of um, power and renewables all around the globe um, in every continent except for Antarctica. Um, and co that covers probably almost about eight billion pounds worth of, of um, debt and equity. Since uh, 2017, though, I've been uh, I crossed over from being on the finance side of the table to the um, developer side of the table when I joined this fledgling company called GridServe. Um, GridServe was set up by Toddington Harper, uh, who'd been a solar developer, a very successful solar developer in the UK, um, to start something new. And we started off upstream doing solar, but with a difference with we included energy storage in it. And we developed the very first subsidy free solar projects of scale in the country. Um, they were the most technically sophisticated um, solar projects with tracking systems, bifacial panels and DC coupled and all this, this great stuff. But we wanted to do more with it. I mean, we are a we see ourselves as a tech enabled sustainable energy business, but we really are very committed to moving the needle on climate change. And we're seeing what can we do with this energy we're generating? And after uh, looking around the markets, we decided that electric vehicle uh, infrastructure was going to grow. Now, we were very lucky we got on board that idea very early on. Uh, Toddington himself was a very early adopter of uh, electric vehicles. And we decided to try and build um, infrastructure that could be powered from our renewable, sustainable energy, which would be the best available in the market. We wanted it to be open access with no need for an app, with no need to sign up for a membership, which had multiple charges, which were reliable, which were the fastest charges. And that's how we got going. Um, with the assistance of Innovate UK, we, we managed to build our first site in Braintree in Essex. And uh, please say we haven't really looked back. Wow, yes, uh, every continent except Antarctica. That was that's rather fascinating. <laughs> yes, but if you can find uh, in a solar project in Antarctica, well, maybe only good for half the year, maybe some other technology. Wind, wind would be great for Antarctica. Then, you know, I'm your man, I'll, I'll be there. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and yeah, and thank you for giving us that sort of introduction, both to your role at GridServe and to the history of the company as well. Um, I, I know GridServe has done quite a lot of work 
well, focuses quite a lot really in the UK. Um, mm. And so just to ask about EV charging development more broadly in the UK, how much progress would you say has been made in terms of deploying the sort of necessary EV charging infrastructure in the UK as this sort of shift towards electric vehicles happens? Yes, I'm pleased you asked that to us because it gets a bit of a bad press from time to time, partly because people like the government set um, uh, targets which don't really have any um, meaning. So, for example, they said we want to have 100,000 charges. Well, 100,000 what kind of charges? You know, really slow seven kilowatts on your house charges or really fast, really useful 350 kilowatt charges scattered around uh, the, the major uh, uh, road network. You know, it's a big difference. But to give you some figures on that, in 2020, there were about 20,000 um, public charges in the UK. Um, that's after about 10 years. Now, mostly the early ones in 2010 were literally three-pin plugs. So, you know, it did take a long, a long time before they started picking up. But 20,000 by 2020 evolved into over 50,000 by the end of 2023. And by the end of 2025, Charge UK, which is um, uh, really an industry forum for uh, charge point operators, is predicting there will be 100,000 in the UK. So we started slowly, like you would expect. It's growing exponentially. Um, we now have more electric vehicles in the UK than in Norway, um, 664,000 to 604,000. And Norway is seen as the most mature, in fact, it is the most mature EV charging or EV market and EV charging market um, in the world, really. And we now have more rapid charges than them and more public charges. So, you know, we've started slowly. We are doing very well. And I think we should actually, as an industry, be, be proud of that and shout about that a bit more. But there's still a lot more to do. And clearly with the potential to evolve all our cars in this country to be electric by 2035 there's considerably more we still have to do so we're not um uh hanging up our boots and, and we're not uh, saying it's all over there's a lot more to do um but i'd say to to quote winston churchill it's not the end it's not the beginning of the end but perhaps it is the end of the beginning well, that's certainly sort of encouraging to hear in terms of EV charging development, because yes, as you say, there are a lot of kind of targets and things that float around in the press, and it's sometimes quite hard to know to what extent those mm. are meaningful or whether or not they're being um, met. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about is that, you know, a, another thing that floats around in, you know, the project finance mm. press particularly, of which I am a, a member, is to what extent is EV charging development still sort of heavily reliant on equity investment and or sort of corporate debt rather than project finance debt because we have seen a mm. couple of project financings but mm. the deal flow hasn't been immense and I, I wondered if there was a sense from your side if that was changing or what the current mm. situation was well i hope it is changing um you're absolutely right uh, as always that the uh debt and it's either been equity funded or it has been corporate debt uh to date um, and by 2030 in this country, if we're going to get anywhere near our targets, we estimate that it's going to be £6 billion that needs to be raised to fund the expansions that are needed by 2030. So £6 billion means we're going to have to try and, and access all sorts of available funding. Of course, 
project and infrastructure finance is a, is a great way to do that. Without wishing to make this about us, um, but at Gridserv, we did manage to close what is actually seen by the market as the first true uh, limited recourse projects and infrastructure financing for EV charging um, infrastructure. We closed this in July last year, July 2023, uh, for a little over 300 million of senior debt facilities with another 200 million uh, standby accordion facility. And whilst we're enormously proud of that achievement ourselves, um, I think I, I can say that I really hope it's helped a lot of lenders and investors get comfortable with the, the dynamics of the industry and that the the risks in it. And hopefully that'll help a lot more be raised and a lot more quickly. So it's you know, there's going to it's certainly evolving into almost its own infrastructure area, its own sector. Um, and as I say, with the scale that's going to be needed um, and the interest that's being seen from uh, specialist financing units and the banks I've been speaking to, I'm hoping that we will see a lot more of it. Yes, of course. And um, just, you know, obviously you mentioned that financing, which is sort of much larger than we've seen, than anything we've seen to date. And as you say, it was a kind of true non-recourse financing for EV charging. Um, I suppose thinking about that financing, what are typically the greatest challenges when it comes to raising project finance debt for EV charging projects? And indeed, how did GridServe actually manage to address those when it closed that financing last year? Yes, uh, that's uh, an interesting one because it, it's changed over time. It's, it's evolved. When I first started at GridServe and we were going around the city of London, burning a lot of shoe leather, knocking on a lot of doors. We spent most of the meetings just trying to convince people that EV charging was a thing and that it was going to take off. And people endlessly wanted to know what was going to be the growth of electric vehicles and therefore EV charging infrastructure. Delighted to say that's now moved on and, and the clear target we have of 2035, it was 2030, it's now 2035, um, uh has given everyone confidence that it's happening it's going to happen so actually we need this infrastructure quickly so that kind of what's the bigger market picture that's gone um i hope um instead it's really comes to what all um financiers particularly project and infrastructure financiers will ask which is what is the revenue and what's the revenue certainty and again that's starting to become an easier question um, what helped us is that we had two years of operating history on our sites, or at least the vast majority of our sites. And so we could prove that they were consistent revenue generators, and we could show the month-to-month increase that we have in the utilization of our sites. Um, we're lucky that we've also got a lot of very prime locations, um, which further um, gave comfort to lenders. And um, then, of course, what are we going to be doing in terms of future rollouts? But the important thing is that the future rollout, well, we size the debt in good project finance style to the revenues that those assets could generate. So it wasn't like other sectors where you, you, you're financing really a large rollout and you need that whole rollout in place before you feel comfortable with the revenues coming through. Um, so if we didn't build any more charges, we'd still size the debt so that it could be 
serviced by the, the the existing sites, which, as I say, had two years track record. So that's very useful. Um, uh, we were one of the early companies in, into the, the the large portfolios. So I'm sure there's other companies will now be similarly able to point to their track records and their proven utilization and their uh, growth in utilization to, again, give lenders comfort, even if they've got different models. And there are different models. You know, we have en route charging, others have destination charging where people come and stay for two or three hours, typically a shopping center or somewhere like that. And they can all work. But again, it's, it's just that revenue certainty is, is the key part of it. Yes, of course. And I, I suppose, you know, your financing developed a way to sort of address some of those concerns about revenue certainty, you know, using that that existing data that you uh, that you had. Um, just looking sort of ahead, as it were, rather than on the basis of what's come before in terms of that existing data, in terms of you know risks to uh, EV charging assets and those those revenues, um, is there any risk of obsolescence for EV charging assets mm. as battery life improves? Because there is a lot of talk about how battery life is sort of going to get better and better and better. And Toyota mm. talking mm -hmm. about you know <laughs> these, these yes. types of batteries that will last for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles and i wondered mm -hmm. if that was kind of a, a concern or something you were you were thinking mm -hmm. about in some ways well, when you say ev charging obsolescence there's, there's two sides to that really let me take the first side the first side is the actual technology itself and saying if you're putting in 150 kilowatt charges will those still be the right charges in x years time and how long will they be good for? Um, will new battery technology come along, which means a different kind of charge is needed? And what I feel about that is that there's always, we're technology agnostic. We are providing a service. And at the moment, we have the best available technology from whatever manufacturer. You know, we don't manufacture ourselves. We, so we use other manufacturers from around the world, and we work very closely with them to try and always be improving their products as well from what we're seeing as being the, the driver's need. Um, and so if there's a new breakthrough or they can charge faster or larger, then we can simply use those um, new charges and even replace our existing ones. Um, and in terms of how long they last, you know, they're, they're warranted for, for plenty of years. Um, but also we're going to be on those sites for a long time, depending on the lease of, of those sites as well, of course. Um, you know, you don't say to uh, someone like BP, how long is the life of that one petrol pump on your forecourt? You know, you just seem they've got a forecourt. The inner workings will, will change, but the forecourt is going to be there. And getting people to stop looking at the individual charges and just looking at the location and the fact that we will just you know, trust us, we will have the best available technology uh, was an important uh, mindset as well to to discuss with lenders and investors. The other part of that question, which is the obsolescence of the battery life improves, giving us a, a very hot sub subject in EV charging, which is um, I want to drive 400 miles or 500 miles and, and cars are being made which can do that. My belief is that this is really to 
give people the confidence to switch and, and transition from their petrol diesel cars to electric vehicle because if you feel if you're in your car 500 miles you'll get around suddenly in the uk most of the country does that mean you don't need an ev charger any longer well no i'm afraid to say well, i'm delighted to say in my case i've got a vested interest but for for people who think that's it i'll never have to charge up you know you're still going to need to do it and this is for a number of reasons um one is i, I believe the car manufacturers are, are doing this greater battery life as i say to 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 wean customers over but that's expensive and it takes up a lot of space in the car it makes the car a lot heavier which in turn makes it you know more energy consumptive um and probably doesn't make the car a terribly good driving experience and so they don't want to do that you know the margins on car manufacturing are you know are you know, ferocious and they, they try and always compete if they can get away with just having a 250 mile battery instead of 500 of course they're going to go that gravitate that way so i believe the vehicles which are trying to have these much much longer um ranges in them will actually start to reduce after a while so once people do start adopting do get the confidence then i'm sure we'll start seeing those ranges come down again um the second point about that is that only 40% in, in of people in the country, sorry, there are 40% of people in the country who can't charge at home because they live in flats, they don't have off-road parking, um, they may have no fixed abode in terms of being traveling around and, and, and renting different properties. So those people still need to charge somewhere as well. And, you know, they also go on holiday. They're maybe traveling around the country. It may seem a bit old fashioned to go for a, 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 a driving tour around the UK, but people still do it. And there's still many lovely parts of the UK to go. So you will have to charge somewhere. Um, you know, people who have petrol cars, OK, they don't have the luxury of being able to um, fill up their petrol at home, but they still all have to go and fill up somewhere on a journey. And, and of course, people will do that. Um, and finally, the third of the points about this obsolescence and and do, will people need to um, keep charging is there's a fabulous statistic um, that National Grid produced, which is that regardless of the range of battery in your car, the human bladder on average has only a 200 mile range. So you're going to have to stop somewhere. And if you do, why not just plug your car in for the you know, 15 minutes it takes you to, to go and use the facilities, buy a cup of coffee and a sandwich and, and get back to your car. And with the charging speeds we're seeing now, 15 minutes will charge you up probably enough to get you to, to wherever your own destination is or give you extra buffer as well. So, so that's a long answer. Um, we're, it's, it's, a, it's a major question about technology and obsolescence and, and longevity, but uh, it's still going to be needed to have a charging service. Um, technology will keep evolving and the providers like us will keep adapting to it. And very importantly, I suppose, in, in terms of the minerals and everything else that's going into the cars, um, everyone's getting much better at recycling and reusing. So that will also help the, uh, the carbon footprint and the sustainability of, of the models and the batteries themselves.
Indeed. Uh, thank you. That was a, a very kind of multidimensional um, way of answering that. And I think it sort of covered the, the, the various ways in which I think, you know, one could talk about obsolescence risk. And uh, I think you make a, a certainly a very good point also about uh, human range being limited, even if battery <laughs> range becomes... Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, much investing technology it still comes back to some very basic human needs from time to time. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, Mark, if I ask a, a final question, obviously, mm. you know, we saw that kind of uh, landmark deal with GridServe closed last year. Mm. And um, I think, you know, many business would be very interested to know, does GridServe have a significant pipeline of EG, EV charging projects lined up for 2024? Absolutely, we do. Um, in fact, we opened uh, just a couple of weeks ago our latest electric forecourt at Gatwick Airport, which is a fantastic site. Um, sorry, I'm biased there, but it's a great location and should have fantastic utilization given it's at, is at Gatwick Airport. Um, but you know, this year alone, we're planning to, to put another 1,000 charging bays in, in, uh, across the country, so virtually doubling our existing portfolio and much more beyond that. So really, you know, we are still in the foothills of, of what's needed for charging infrastructure in the UK. That's uh, not just grid service, it's all of the, the, the whole country. And I think everyone in, involved in the industry will say, yes, we're still actually at the early adoption stage. So there's a significant amount. Um, I mentioned 100,000 charges by the end of 2025. You know, we're only at 50,000 today. So that's, um, you know, there's a lot more to be done and there's going to go a lot further than 2025. I think because uh, we're talking millions by about 2030. So. It is the beginning of a, of, a, of a whole new infrastructure industry. There's going to be many players and, you know, if anyone is interested in it, I'd welcome any discussions and very happy to show them around some of our sites as well. Thank you very much, Mark. I'm very sorry to say that I think that's all we're going to have time for today. But thank you once again for joining me on the podcast. It's a great pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's been really great to have you on. And um, before we end, I would just like to take a brief moment to remind listeners about our Proximo Latin America 2024 Energy Infrastructure and Development Finance event, which is taking place in Miami from 27 to 28 February. Further details can be found on our website at proximoinfra.com. Thanks to everyone for listening, and do join us again next month for more of your latest project finance, energy, and infrastructure news and analysis from Proximo. Mm -hmm.